Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr, and I'm joined tonight with Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Guile. Hi, this is Guile. I'm Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Heidi Mo. Hi, this is Heidi. You can find me at HeidiMo34 at Tumblr.com, I think. <laughs> and uh, welcome to our new guest, uh, Darling. Hi, I'm Darling, and you can find me at Darling of the Westerlands on Tumblr. Cool. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> so I got a quick plug. Um, Darling has a fanfic that I love. <laughs> so, oh, awesome. You're going to embarrass yes. me now. So she, if you're on um, AO3, she's writing Stormline, which is wonderful. So. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, thank you. It's I'm great. enjoying I, writing it. <laughs> it's lovely. I have to catch the updates. Yes, I've updated weekly, which like never happens, and I'm on track to. So brilliant, you've spurred oh. me on. Oh well, that's good. Yeah, this will really. That's good. Is that one of those assholes that just yeah finish the stories? I always fall I'll for try that too. I'm my best not to abandon it. I'm trying. <laughs> okay, we all started Clash of Kings last week, and we're going to go over Catelyn's second chapter in Clash of Kings in this episode. Uh, spoiler warnings as usual for A Song of Ice and Fire. And as always, possibly this show. Um, Usually I like to do a summary, but there are 14 chapters between this chapter and Catelyn 1. And since this chapter itself is uh, relatively long, I don't want to waste time summarizing, except to say a lot went down. So (laughs) (laughs) a lot happened. Um, As we begin, Catelyn is waking from sweet dreams of her family in more peaceful times. Rob has sent her as envoy to Renly, along with 20 of Winterfell's best men and five lordlings, including Sir Wendell, Sir Perwin Frey, Lucas Blackwood, and Robin Flint. Rob had been restless and decided to march, against Catelyn's advice, to wait longer. She had asked Rob not to send her to speak with Renly. After much arguing back and forth, he finally threatened to send Great John in her place, and with that she relented. She wishes she did not always have to be so strong, and thinks sadly of her farewell to her dying father and the letter she sent to Bran and Rickon, explaining that she did not forget them. I'll kind of break here so we can discuss that first section. I, I love the concept of him like threatening to send Great John as a negotiator. Like it just feels like very like in with the current times, you know? Like let's just send them up the biggest oh, like brutish dude in for the the diplomatic mission. So oh. what would have, would have happened if Great John would have oh. went? If Catelyn oh. would have been like, you know what? Send him to Grinley. You know oh, what would have happened? He would have got rough. <laughs> Yeah, he probably would have jumped into that melee. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Renly is pretty political and, like, pretty savvy. So I think Renly, he just would have, like, been dismissive of him. Like, I don't know if he would have mm-hmm. taken the offers seriously. Any any offer, I should say, seriously coming from him. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he, he would have, like, definitely with, you know, when she ran into everybody at first, they were all referring to Rob. You know, they didn't call him King Rob. I think that would get to him. 
kind of but, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and I think we just got a little bit more, you know, in this first section when she's, they're kind of, you know, they're on the road camping on their way down to Bitterbridge. And I think we just sort of get a sense of it's all, it almost remind me a lot of the other chapters where her she's thinking about her and Rob and, you know, how much of a man he's become and the, the tension that they have. So it reminded me a little bit of Duncan Egg even just in. Oh. Um, yes, I thought so, too. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when you think about who she's traveling with, like Wendell Manderley and Lucas Blackwood are both going to die at the Red Wedding. And I think mm. um, the Flint does, too. I can't yeah. recall the offhand. But, yeah. and, you know, Perwin Frey is one of the Freys that is um, sent away from the Red Wedding, even though it's his, you know, full sister that's getting married because he can't be trusted to act against the North. Oh, I was wondering oh, about him. Okay. That Man, I need to get my flow chart out with all these uh, names <laughs> and all this. My tea chart. <laughs> I, I, I forgot that Wendell died at the Red Wedding. Like, it makes for really bad. Like, because I can remember when they're like, they're discussing what they're going to have for breakfast. And Catelyn just doesn't let him have the roast quail. Like, they've got to make deal with oats and bread. Yeah. And it's like they could yeah. die any day. Let him have a good breakfast. Right. And then the Red Wedding, they had this shitty dinner before, too. So we didn't get like a good dinner before they killed him. Oh, yeah. I know. She is yeah. kind of harsh about that because she's sitting there, like, you know, he's like, he makes a sad face. <laughs> she yeah. said, you know, he had honor, so he didn't bring yeah. it up again. But he <laughs> she wouldn't let him catch a quail. Oh, so um, they were half a day's ride from Renly's camp when they are overtaken by Renly's outriders. Sir Colin of Greenpools tells them that he will escort them the rest of the way. Catelyn and Sir Wendell are impressed by the size of the camp. They arrive to find a melee going on. Sir Colin asks that only Catelyn follow him from that point on. As their horses move through the crowd, she notices a big knight in deep cobalt armor wielding a morning star with deadly effect. The horse is wearing the sun and moon heraldry of House Tarth. The crowd shouts that the Blue Knight has just taken Red Ronnet down, and Renly is cheering Sir, Lor- Sir Loras on. Two of the four remaining knights are unhorsed by the Blue Knight, leaving only Sir Loras. He attacks with his long axe, and the Blue Knight's morning star goes flying. The Blue Knight charges, they grapple, and fall off their horses. Once on the ground, the Blue Knight pulls a long dirk free, and Loras yields. Um, I'm going to read the next part directly from the book. The little, we got a little introduction to Brienne. Approach, King Renly called to the champion. He limped toward the gallery. At close hand, the brilliant blue armor looked rather less splendid. Everywhere it showed scars, the dents of mace and warhammer, the long gouges left by swords, chips in the enameled breastplate and helm. His cloak hung in rags. From the way he moved, the man within was no less battered. A few voices hailed him with cries of Tarth, and oddly, a beauty, a beauty, but most were silent. The blue knight knelt before the king. Grace, he said, his voice muffled by his dented great helm. You are all your lord father claimed you were, Renly's voice carried over the field. I've seen Loris unhorsed once or twice, but never quite in that fashion. There were no proper unhorsing, complained a drunken archer nearby, a Tyrell sewn on his jerkin, a vile trick pulling the lad down. The press had begun to open up. Sir Colin, Catelyn said to her escort, who is this man, and why do they mislike him so? Sir Colin frowned. Because he is no man, my lady, that's Brienne of Tarth, daughter to the Lord Selwyn of Evenstar. Daughter, Catelyn was horrified. Brienne the beauty, they name her, though not to her face, lest they be called upon to defend those words with their bodies. She heard King Renly declare that Lady Brienne of Tarth, the victor of the great melee at Bitterbridge, last mounted of one hundred sixteen knights. 
As champion, you may ask of me any boon that you desire. If it lies in my power, it is yours. Your grace, Brienne answered, I ask the honor of a place among your rainbow guard. I would be one of your seven, and pledge my life to yours, to go where you go, to ride at your side, and keep you safe from all hurt and harm. Done, he said. Rise and remove your helm. She did as he bid her, and when the great helm was lifted, Catelyn understood Sir Colin's words. Beauty, they called her, mocking. The hair beneath the visor was a squirrel's nest of dirty straw in her face. Brienne's eyes were large and very blue, a young girl's eyes, trusting and guileless, but the rest. Her features were broad and coarse, her teeth prominent and crooked, her mouth too wide, her lips so plump they seemed swollen. A thousand freckles speckled her cheeks and brow, and her nose had been broken more than once. Pity filled Catelyn's heart. Is there any creature on earth as unfortunate as an ugly woman? And yet, when Renly cut away her torn cloak and fastened a rainbow in its place, Brienne of Tarth did not look unfortunate. Her smile lit up her face, and her voice was strong and proud as she said, My life for yours, your grace. From this day on, I am your shield. I swear it by the old gods and the new. The way she looked at the king, he looked down, she looked, looked down at him. She was a good hand higher, though Renly was near as tall as his brother had been. It was painful to see. Whew, that was... <laughs> <laughs> wow! I wanted wow. to get the whole scene. Sorry, it's a little bit long there, but <laughs> oh, oh, I love all of that. Like, wow. I love her beating the shit out of Red Ron, and at the start, like, yes. I love. Yeah. It. It's like I didn't really remember that. Like, I remember her beating, you know, the other guys and the, you know, the other guys in the melee, but not specifically Red Ron. It so yes. <laughs> take that asshole down <laughs> i just amazed when i i don't know why like i knew and i know that they're all sort of fighting each other and some of them took each other out not just her but that's astounding 116 oh that's insane yeah <laughs> yeah moronic didn't even get down to the, like the last 20 so he wasn't even like one of the best which <laughs> makes me feel even better don't you wish they had like big melees now kind of <laughs> like, oh, fun wow I mean, do they? Do they have like cosplay? Like, do they have you know? <laughs> oh my god, cosplay melees would be like the best thing in the world. It needs to happen. Oh my god, they have civil civil war reenactors. So yeah, but they, they don't like, that. each other, right? No, like, I want people said? to actually fight. Is that to side the anachron- anachronism there, or something? There is, is something called LARPing. Yeah, live yeah. action. Oh. I bet you in Germany. It seems to me I'm thinking Germany. There's some big, you know, like medieval oh. LARPing going on there. <laughs> they actually like, wow. Stuff. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to like Google it or get people, if anybody has been to one or knows of one, <laughs> write in. Let us know. Yeah. I mean, wow. not with real swords or anything. It's all kind of like blunted like, swords. Yeah, you know, like they do foam, one of the, yeah, you know, tourney sword, swords, yeah. And everything. <laughs> I've seen paper wrapping rolls. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've been to Renaissance fairs, I saw a guy get clocked by a woman on a horse with a sword and the idea that she was supposed to hit a cabbage on his head, she hit his helmet, this young guy. I mean, I'm thinking, he must have got a concussion, because it went wham. He's like, whoa. <laughs> oh, my good. Wait, and there was a cabbage involved? That's yeah, she was trying to cut the cabbage, and she hit his helm. And, and it was, he- oh. yeah. I mean, you could, it, oh, he fell. Like, he was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to go to a red fair. Like, wow. <laughs> Google up Renfair Cabbage. And oh, I mean, yeah, I bet we could find stuff of that. Renfair Disaster. <laughs> I think Renfair Disaster seems like a really great YouTube search. <laughs> oh. Oh. But yeah, this part was, oh, I just think for everybody, wow. it's kind of like, oh. 
Oh, we've waited so long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does anyone just crack up, though, thinking of Renly and these gaudy-ass rainbow cloaks that George R. R. Martin somehow yes. are not, like, you know, a gay symbol? Like, of course they are, George. Like, come on. <laughs> did they do those? They didn't do those on a show, did they? Or did they? No. No, that wasn't cloaking. <laughs> Were they like vertical stripes or horizontal? Was it like a tie dye? Rainbow? <laughs> there was no, yeah, in the show there was no rainbow capes. Well, anything. like I mean, the book does he ever explain? Like I'm curious uh, how look where the rainbow was like a swirly rainbow. <laughs> I feel like this actually would be a question he would answer. You know, George. Yes. Were the rainbow cloaked vertical yeah. or horizontal stripe? <laughs> <laughs> or a tie dyed pattern of some sort. <laughs> oh, well. Might be easier for him to ask, answer that question than other things. So right, exactly. yeah. So hey, that's a yeah, that's an easy one. <laughs> that would be a nice easy well, one. <laughs> and this is sorry, this is a random question, but and so they decided not to put that in the show just because of the way it would look, like the rainbow itself. The way does anyone know why the reasoning behind that and why they chose to? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like they kind of tried to embrace, like, every offensive gay stereotype they could with Loris and Renly, that it's sort oh. of shocking that they <laughs> they could have right. went there, yeah, to fit their cloak. <laughs> okay. Just curious, just random, probably didn't look good on screen, but other than that fact, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was, like, the peach. Like, they never really explained why they didn't include the peach, right? Well, kind wasn't of... oh, right. the guy that played Renly, he did not like to eat peaches. I thought that was a joke. Was it? I never got I don't know. to. I don't know. That's third on my Google list now. I'm not sure. But... <laughs> We're racking them up. <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, I can't help but see some parallels. And I know it's not a melee, but I still like, I can see Dunk and Brienne again still, though, with her, you know, mm-hmm. winning the melee and being kind of in disguise. And, you know, up close, her armor is kind of, you know, kind of battered and bruised. And yeah, well, it does mirror actually like the uh, the trial in the Hedge Knight because like when um, Dunk uh, is in, in the melee with um, Arion, like he uses like his brawling like flea bottom tactics like drag him to the ground and make him yield that way and like Brienne like there is a I don't know it's not a vile trick as the drunk uh, Reachman said but like he definitely like she definitely uses like strange tactics to like try and get him to yield she just pulls him down um buys her in the eye so like it does mirror it there's lots of like dunkiness in this Mm. chapter and it's nice to see that oh very gritty so what do you think of the description of brienne like i sometimes feel Mm. like we try to it's so hardwired in our brain that we try to make her be pretty and it's always interesting we all see her her through lover's eyes yeah Yeah. and it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see her again described you know very ugly you know yeah i'm looking at that passage that part too because it like we were saying it's you know they keep repeating girl girl and i have to remind myself even though i'm such a visual person you know and yeah. i did see i did see this see the show first i have to admit before i got into the books and so i kind of had this in my mind and so i'm like nope she's a young girl and you know guileless and yeah you know wide-eyed and love and renly so just a different yeah different picture than what we kind of got on the show but no, but I do love the detail that when she has the cloak around her shoulders, that like her, she's smiling and her face lights up and she's so uh-huh. proud and confident. That's just, that's lovely yeah. to yeah. see that. And yeah. the fact that Kat notices that after being like initially horrified and having pity on her, mm. um, it must have been a beautiful smile. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I kind of tripped over that part at the end, but when they described that it was, you know, it was kind of 
when she said it was painful to see, so I'm assuming she's noticing the the deeper than just regular admiration coming out of you know Brienne's eyes uh, for yes. Renly. Yeah. Yeah, and I, this reminds me, I may have said this last time I was on, but I, I like Catelyn's chapters, you know, and I like the description, and I just like how she's kind of observing. We get to see Brienne through her eyes, obviously, but it reminds me that I that I miss her chapters, you know, and I like the way that she yeah. was written. <laughs> so... And she, you know, and she does have judgments, but I don't, I don't feel like she's unnecessarily cruel. But she, you know, she's pretty blunt. You, you can pretty, you're going to get a pretty mm-hmm. decent assessment for. Her. Yeah, she's judgy. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty judgy in her head, but yeah. it's not necessarily getting to her mouth. Yeah, yeah she's very diplomatic. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Sir Colin announces Catelyn's arrival to Renly, and they exchange pleasantries of introduction with Marjorie. Renly asks Cat if Rob is marching on Harrenhal. Not sure if Renly is friend or foe, she tells him she does not sit on Rob's war council. She discloses instead that Jamie Lannister is held prisoner at Riverrun. Lord Tarley calls that choice weak and accuses Rob of hiding behind his mother's skirts instead of meeting with Renly himself. Catelyn replies icily that King Rob is warring, my lord, not playing at tourney. Renly grins and tries to lighten the mood by offering Catelyn the use of his pavilion as he and Marjorie are guests of the castle. They agree to talk at the evening's feast once Catelyn has a chance to refresh herself. The pavilion is larger than a common room at an inn, and luxuriously furnished with every comfort, as well as chests full of Renly's clothing, games, a high harp, hunting hawks, and armor. She thinks it's no wonder that he travels slow. She admires his king's armor. It is forest green, its fittings chased with gold, the helm crowned by a great rack of deer antlers. And this short bit right here is a nice uh, little bit of foreshadowing. The steel was polished to such a high sheen that she could see her reflection in the breastplate, gazing back at her as if from the bottom of a deep green pond. The face of a drowned woman, Catelyn thought. Can you drown in grief? She turned away sharply, angry with her own frailty. She had no time for the luxury of self-pity. I mean, it's beautiful imagery, but... Yeah, but (sighs) painful. Well, going back a little bit, when they first, I think, got to Renly's camp, it just, just kind of the mentioning of his um tent and everything i they when they got to the camp i think they mentioned it was thousands how large it was and how big it seemed mm-hmm. and it's just um kind of rereading this chapter remind you know reminded me like it was just huge and the melee itself you know thousands of people watching and just such on a grand scale you know it just all this opulence and excess you know just of course in in renley's tent his pavilion itself you know is filled with all those things but. He's got plenty of time for hobbies by the sounds of it. Like <laughs> I love that. There were even more things that I left out. Like I was like, oh, I want to kind of sit around his pavilion. I know. That's so He's cozy. got like, board games, falcons, yeah. cozy fires. He's like, a man way, of I mean, talent. way more fun than hanging out with Stannis, I'm sure. Can Sorry, you- comma. <laughs> Well, she's fun in the northern camp. Like when Wendell gets her, he's like, "Oh, a melee, splendid!" And like they're quite buzzing. That like I don't know. I just don't think Rob's camp is as fun as what's going on here. Like no. yeah. I would personally want to be here. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like this sounds awesome. And and who, you know, another thing that's very I don't know if that's just how they did it because she's a highborn lady, but it's so generous to let her have his tent, all her stuff's there. I mean, he, she could uh I don't know. You know, I guess they just trust everybody. But God, I was wow. <laughs> Oh yeah, she could have gone through his personal things, read his diary, and (laughs) (laughs) oh dear, find his little sex toys or whatever he has. He seems like he'd have sex toys. (laughs) Ate all the peaches and plums. Oh yeah, the pears. They had all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right. 
but uh, and, and also um, we get a little more at the, the dinner too, which I, I guess I'll go right into that. Then we could talk about his. Um, you know, I was thinking about how uh, diplomatic he actually is. Uh, Catelyn and her highborn companions arrive at the feast. Catelyn is seated on the dais between Sir John Fossilway and Lord Mathis Rowan. Brienne is seated at the high table and is wearing a knight's finery and rainbow cape instead of a gown. Catelyn notices that she is muscular and ungainly and awkward of movement in this setting. The food is plentiful, with singers and tumblers to entertain the guests. Catelyn observes that although Renly enjoyed his food and drink, he was neither glutton nor drunkard. He laughed often and well, and spoke amiably to highborn lords and lowly serving wenches alike. Lord Rowan comments on how young everyone is, and Catelyn thinks it's all a game to them still, attorney writ large, and all they see is a chance for glory and honor and spoils. They are boys drunk on song and story, and like all boys, they think themselves immortal. Catelyn cautions Lord Rowan that winter is coming and war will make knights of summer old. Brienne turns to Catelyn and responds, Lady Catelyn, you are wrong. Winter will never come for the likes of us. Should we die in battle, they will surely sing of us, and it's always summer in the songs. In the songs, all knights are gallant, all maids beautiful, and the sun is always shining. Oof. I'm kind of I don't know what Catelyn's bringing in right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what Catelyn's thinking in her head though after that and she's saying like to Bri- like she's thinking to Brienne that like winter's going to come for her yeah and I find that given what we given what position we know that Brienne's in right now it's like it's I don't know it sounds a bit of a threat like in Catelyn's head it's almost foreshadowing what is going to happen it seems like Catelyn is actually going to like she's going to be the one bringing winter to Brienne hmm. and I know that was quite sad to read I'm surprised Kat doesn't, like, it doesn't trigger a thought of Sansa because it, it feels so much like something yes. like young Sansa uh, would have said. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Floral and Jonquil or whatever their names are <laughs> dancing by the pools. <clears throat> Sorry. Florian, I think, yeah. Florian the Fool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, she just seems really, like, northern right now. So, like, she's just really, like, distancing herself from all these, like, sovereign ideas. And I don't know, she just generally has, like, disdain for everyone frolicking around her given the fact there is actually a war going on. And I guess they haven't. Have They've not had a real battle yet, this this army? No. Or no? Okay, okay. So I guess it's a different feel than she, she experienced with mm-hmm. you know, down at River Run. And- well, I think she's just, you know, she's mourning her husband mm-hmm. and she's, you know, worried about her daughters and she's, you know, just, she's unhappy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of expressing itself in the way that she's interacting with other people. Yeah, and also her dying father having to leave him. Yeah, yeah. of course. That point, I yeah, that yeah. We can all come from a place in our lives when it's just you know you just feel the weight and the responsibility of everything. That's just kind of you know she's like I don't have time to be frivolous. I don't have time to yeah. I don't have the quote in front of me, but you know she's she's saying well, I, I yeah. And I wonder if there's, you know, I don't think she gets into it. I think, you know, she does have too much on her mind, but there has to be some kind of a little bit of bitterness too that you know in her youth. The, you know, there's attorney at Harrenhal and, you know, the pageantry and everything of that. But then it was, you know, actual war. And, you know, her, you know, betrothed actually died. And Oh, yeah, her experience. You know, they are just playing at it. And, you know, she never really had that. You know, she didn't necessarily, and, you know, all the crap that they went through with Littlefinger. Like, she didn't necessarily really have this luxury of this world that Renly's trying to create here. Right. It would have been interesting to see how he would have handled you know, because I don't think I think the potential is there. I don't think he's a you know he's certainly 
um, there's a lot about him that actually would make a de- yeah. decent roller. He's got his faults, but it would, you know. Well, I think he gets dismissed because people kind of fall in love with, they kind of fall in love a bit with Stannis, and they don't give Renly the option. You know, Renly doesn't get the option to grow up. He doesn't get yeah. the option to, like, grow into his kingship. We don't know. And, if you know, he, he was master, there. right. And I think he was master of laws on Robert's council. So, I mean, that's oh, kind okay. of, you know, that's his area of expertise, I guess. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's young. He's a bit, fr- you know, he's young. He's a bit frivolous. He can be a bit selfish, but... Yeah, I mean, we don't see what Renly would have been like as a 40-year-old king dealing with, you know, a threat to the kingdom. He doesn't get that luxury. So I think it's, you know, I wouldn't dismiss him completely. I mean, you can tell how intelligent he is. Do, do we get any indication of his fighting skills? I'm trying to remember, and I can't recall whether he... I mean, people assume he hasn't, but when she describes him, he's a pretty sturdy guy. He's not as thick as yeah. lover, but... Yeah, you don't really... I mean. Yeah, you don't really hear about him being in tourneys or being in, you know, in the never were in, were in a battle. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, he has Mathis Rowan and, you know, Dick and, or not Dick and Randall Tarley, who are pretty well-renowned generals. So I don't think he necessarily would have, you know, he could lead from behind, more or less. Mm-hmm. Be, mm. It makes me sad. I would have liked to have seen more of Renly and... Mm. <laughs> Well, okay, well, I'll uh, move on to the next section. There's a finer, final uh, section here. Uh, Renly asks Catelyn to walk with him privately. Brienne offers to guard him on the walk, but Renly declines. She takes it hard with downcast eyes. Renly asks Catelyn if Sir Barristan Selmy is with Rob at River Run. Catelyn is puzzled, and Renly informs her that the Lannisters dismissed him for being too old, and he left King's Landing, vowing to take up service with the true king. He had been saving the cloak Brienne had earned for Sir Barristan in hopes he would show up. Renly tells her that he had offered Ned a hundred swords and urged him to take Joffrey into his power, and exclaims that if he had listened, he would be the regent today. He fled after Ned refused him, as he was convinced Cersei would kill him. Catelyn thinks to herself bitterly that Ned might have survived had Renly stayed. He takes Mm. her to the roof so she can see the full numbers of his army. He has heard Rob might command as many as 40,000 and tells her he he has twice that number here. She questions him about Stannis' claim, and he dismisses the idea, pointing out that few love Stannis. He tells her that if her sons support him, he will be generous, as well as allowing Rob to continue calling himself King of the North. King is only a word, but fealty, loyalty, and service, these I must have. She questions what will happen if he does not, and Renly plainly tells her he cannot be king of a broken kingdom, and Rob must be wise. If he joins them, the war is as good as done. Suddenly, a rider enters the gates below with news that Storm's End has been besieged. Renly at first assumes it is Lord Tywin, but the messenger informs him it was King Stannis, as he calls himself now. Dun dun dun! <sighs> Which the first thing I, I thought was like, what, what if she ha- would she have based on this conversation? If nothing else had happened, do you think Cat would have encouraged Rob to? Because this sounds like a pretty good deal to me. It sounds like what he kind of wanted yeah, out of Cersei. It is generous. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think they'd be idiot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they'd be taking the honor train one stop too far if they didn't take the steel. That's a good way. Right? <laughs> you know, like, at oh. some point, who cares if Stan? Who cares if it's Stannis's throne by right? Like, no, <laughs> he's gonna lose, and yeah, they'd be. Well, he, you know, there's numbers. He actually think he's gonna join his cause up until like five minutes ago. Like, he thinks Stannis is going to join him, and, like, Dawn as well, for some reason. No. Like, I just... Well, I, don't know. I mean, like, Does he know, genuinely believe yeah. that, or is he just saying that to Catelyn? Like, 
I mean, Stannis gives him a pretty good deal, though, before he kills him. You know, like, he tells him he'll make him his heir. That's not bad, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he gives Renly some pretty good terms. I mean, the best, you know, yeah, the best case would have been Renly takes that deal, Rob takes their deal, and it's, you know, bye-bye Joffrey. Everybody can be happy, yeah. Except Joffrey. (laughs) And Jamie, unfortunately. (laughs) He would be part of the collateral damage, Yeah, absolutely, they all would be executed at that point. I don't know. (laughs) Although Jamie's so good-looking that maybe, like, they would have spared him. (laughs) Put him in a cage so they could look at him or something. I mean... Periodically. There's that whole running thread in in Arya's storm chapters of like all these women like everywhere they go like talking about how hot he is. <laughs> he could be like whatever the court is saw like the male version of like you hang around court and just <laughs> hooch up the <Yeah>. ladies. <laughs> oh no, but we have to note this feast that there is a fool running around pretending to be Jamie. Yeah, like dressed in gold tin with a lion's head on. Oh yes, hitting someone with the the bladder, right? Yes, chasing a dwarf around. Oh man. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Seriously, doesn't Renly's court sound like super fun? I know. I want to be part of it. (laughs) Oh, it does. Brienne is like already so completely out of place, though. You know, like she's so. You know, she's, like, just think of her at that feast. Like, her dreams literally came true that afternoon, and she's still, you know. Well, the wager gang's, like, all there. Like, Mark Mullindor's there, like, with his monkey. And, like, all of these men who made it who made her feel absolutely terrible and basically got her into trouble with mm. with uh, randall tarley they're there acting like nothing has happened and they've just got off completely oh, scot-free from that... the situation and then she's up there at the table and like oh. she should be so happy but you know that brings mm. up Aren't a really sad? good point because aren't you sad we don't get a little glimpse of Hyle? oh <laughs> yes like we... did he just oh. fill him in was he just a uh, you know after <laughs> Kind of, like, well, He's I mean, a- <laughs> I personally sort of put him in the scene, to be honest. Like, <laughs> you know my Heil feelings. He has to be in there. Well, that makes you wonder, did, you know, if, again, I love all these ifs. If if this if this had went through and they, they'd keep following and she could somehow be his guard, would, you know, Renly or Loris, if anybody, she proved herself enough that they would sort of take it up for her? Or would she keep getting teased and tormented endlessly? <laughs> you know? Mm. Maybe she would eventually. I mean, she's so unconventional without the advantage of being attractive that I think she could be, you know, kicking ass in battles and she would still get taunted behind the scenes. Because pe- mm. people always want somebody to be so, you know, they like people who are like funny and, jo- you know, they like all these other, ca- uh, you know, character traits. and. Yeah. You know, oh, poor Brienne. And also, I, she has to watch uh, Renly feed Marjorie like food oh, off a dagger as well. And then have babies oh. if they had babies. Oh, she'd be so oh. tortured. Oh God! <laughs> no, I think like if Renly had kids, she would have like loved those oh. kids. But she's. St- I think like, she, she would have been sad. But, yeah. <laughs> she might have been, but she would have like transferred some of her love for him. Oh. You know, because I mean, the one thing Brienne oh, yeah. would never dream of is, I mean, could you? I mean, she would never. You know, re- under any circumstances, she wouldn't be like the mistress. Oh <laughs> yeah, oh no, so... yeah. And she yeah. would never even like accept herself really thinking of that. Like she'd keep it yeah, honorable. Think... <laughs> yeah, like you know, the mayor. You know, she would never, inter- you know, never interfere in that if she could. But I do think like she kind of would see Renly's kids as her, ki- you know, as her surrogate kids oh. to a certain extent. Oh yeah, 
she she would die for those kids, I think. Yeah, yeah. I like this path of what ifs tonight. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's making me extra sad, though. <laughs> well, I know, because it's Brienne. Oh. <laughs> I know. I, all the feels for her. My first chapter. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, you know, the, o- the only way she realistically could have met Jamie is, like, the way it happened, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unless, you know, like they, I think some, I think actually there's another fanfic. I think it was Rose Hart wrote it where it's, <gasps> oh, that was so isn't good. It like, like Jamie gets exchanged at Renly's camp, like a goodwill gesture or something. Oh, yes. Oh, why? That was one of my absolute favorites. Oh. If anybody gets a chance to, oh my God, Rose Hart. Oh, seven up. bind their well, face. Yes. Right? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was I, excellent. Oh. And I specifically loved it. Right. Now that I'm thinking about it, I specifically loved it because it had all the, you know, it had Renly, you know, going further. And yeah, I feel like I want to reread it now because I, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm remembering all these characters and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's, oh, she caught Renly. So she had all of them well, but oh, I loved yeah. her Renly. Yeah, because he, he, you know, it's the show's just different, and he's so great in the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's way more regret for him in the books than. Well, I don't know, because I mean, I really like. I thought the actor who played Renly did a great job. Like, he's not. I mean, he's really fun. Like, especially in a Game of Thrones in the in the early part of the first book, he's really funny, and he's just kind of like a wisecracking asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. No, he has like a lot of Jamie in him, to be honest. <laughs> so you kind of like love him. <laughs> and yeah. it's that thing where I wonder if people who read the books before the show were like, oh, it's going to be Renly and Rob and they're going to gang up and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I was. I don't remember, but I'm sure I was thinking that at this point. Oh, she's got to take that deal. Oh, it's the best thing. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. And just to hear all of Catelyn's what ifs. I mean, that's no. what's rattling around in my mind, that she'll never see those kids oh. again that she dreamt about at the beginning of the chapter. And then her oh. dad. She, she was, was she plan? It sounds like she was planning on going. So was she pretty much resigned that she was going to go back to Winterfell and not see her father die? Or it sounded like it, right? Or am I mistaking oh. that? She mentions going back to Winterfell after this, but I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I thought she was going to stay with Rob. Okay, she wrote that letter to them, okay. like justifying that, like that, that Rob needed needed her more at the time. Okay. But I don't know. And I mean, at the same time, you know, Theon's planning his, you know, uh, like all her about to like get even worse. The shit is about to hit the fan, the fan everywhere. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Well, anybody, anything else? We can. Uh, just can we mention again how awesome it was for Brienne to beat the crap out of Red Ronnet? It really was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. He's so bitter. <laughs> it's really sad, though, because whenever you first read that, that's going to totally go over your head. Right. And by the time that you get to the part, you know, the infamous part in Hall with, you know, the bitch, the golden bitch slap, I mean, you've totally forgotten about this part. Mm. <laughs> right, that she, they both got. I mean, oh, see, I feel like their pillow talk someday. They can like share memories of how they both beat the crap out of Red Robin. <laughs> oh, be great! It's gotta happen. Or maybe they'll somehow run into John Con at some future point in the book. Like go, book. Yeah, we both beat the crap out of your crappy nephew. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, well, I have one random observation. So sorry, okay. but um. I was just, um, when they were, of course, you know, kind of explaining to Catelyn that she was called Brienne the Beauty behind her back, of course. And then I noticed on the next page when Catelyn was kind of thinking in her head, she called her Brienne the Blue as opposed to that mocking term of Brienne the Beauty. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. I 
I, like I said, I miss Catelyn and I missed her chapters, and I thought that was the reason I liked her. They had a bond, you know. But anyway, random <laughs> thought. Sorry. Because <laughs> no, I always think of Catelyn kind of negatively about you know her impression of Brienne. So it's really, mm-hmm. it's nice to you know hear you catch that. You know, her kind of already defending her in her head like that. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think she sees a lot of Arya in her, maybe. Or, you know. I mean, and she's such a combo of Arya and Sansa. Yeah. This is true. (laughs) Ever the romantic, but yet in Brienne's body and stuck with her face. (laughs) Sorry. That came out wrong. (laughs) Oh, Brienne. Oh. (laughs) Eon, do we have any mail this week? We do, right? (laughs) We do. We have have some mail. Um, we got one from Attention Deficit Aptitude that says, so excited for the grand interest, entrance of our girl. I have two questions for you ladies. First, do you think the people shouting a beauty when she won the, the melee were making fun of her or were they fans? Second, Selwyn Tarth obviously talked up Brienne's abilities to Renly before sending her. Do you think he's proud of her? Can't wait to hear the app. Oh. So were they making fun of her with the beauty or were they? Yes. Yeah. 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 I feel, pr- yeah, I'd say 99. What? 99.7%. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was in- very interesting. That's glad they brought that up. The whole <laughs> issue with, um, or the point of Renly, you know, pointing out that he had heard her father speak well of her. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's, I mean, you you figure Selwyn must be proud of, you know, he's got to be proud of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's going to be, you know, sending her, I don't think, she never thinks of him in such a way that you think, like, she's he's sending her away from Tarth because she shamed him or anything. No. It's more like he's, like, letting her, like, follow her dream, however yeah, find her self-destructive it yeah. might be, or, like, find her place yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah, I think at yeah. this point, with everything that's happened with the broken, you know, betrothals and things, it's it sounds like at least he's willing to say, hey, you know, do what you can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and helping her as well by talking her up and speaking yeah. so well of her. I just want to meet Selwyn so bad. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. He sounds Same. lovely. Well, God damn it, George! Hurry up. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Kathy from San Antonio says, "Hello, ladies. I have been meaning to email for a while and tell you how much I'm enjoying your analysis of Cat's chapters." Even given all the evil portents, that certainly seems like a faraway, innocent time, eh? Anyway, I'm finally getting around to it and have two questions. One, how are Lot, Baby Lot, and Mr. Lot doing? Please excuse me if I've missed a report from you, but I have been wondering about them and sending them good thoughts for a joyous birth and new family experience. And by the way, you all are doing a great job holding down the podcast for it in her absence. Oh, <laughs> we miss her so much. We oh, do. We really her. miss her. Come back. Aww. Tell us, baby updates. <laughs> He's cute. He's super cute. He's so, he's oh, my God. Cute. <laughs> he's super Aww. cute. Yeah, she's. we know she's doing well. That's last we heard. And yeah. he is a cutie. 
He's super cute, and it's not like they're just, you know, they're still adjusting to schedules and everything, so. Oh, yeah, it's intense early baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, he's, like, (laughs) undeniably super cute. (laughs) All right, right, the next question is, I was amused by the Trump question that closed your last episode. I wanted to call your attention to a comparison I read soon after the election. Uh, It was on some blog on Tumblr by poor Quentin com, who I re- read rather excessively. He said that if we had just elected Cersei Lannister, the comparison seemed pretty spot on at the moment, and comparing the small councils seemed pretty apt t- today. If y'all haven't decided to avoid all political commentary not related to Westeros, I'd be interested in your thoughts about this idea. Well, there was Thanks, and keep up the good work. There was that really good tweet that I think Chicky had tweeted it about um, it was a passage of Littlefinger talking to I believe it was Sansa about Cersei and King's Landing and she it sounded just like Trump. Believe, like, <laughs> Go that, that, he knew that she could ruin it, but not that fast. Like, yeah. he couldn't believe how fast she was ruining it. It's great. Read it because when you read it, you're like, this is so eerie because he, he even says, I thought I had four to five years to plant the seeds. Yeah. But- <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Well, and I think, like, you know, we talked so much about Cersei's narcissistic tendencies. And, I mean, I think that sort of reminds me of someone else as well. Yeah, I mean, and and small council, you know, if you got this, these people are just such, oh, God, Spicer. (laughs) People! (laughs) Bannon could be, like, what, Quiber? I don't know who he'd be. I don't know. I don't know. That is the one difference is that I think, you know, Cersei... Is you know Cersei picked people to not challenge her, whereas I feel like perhaps there's some people in the current you know small council, if you will, that might have more control than the president himself at times. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think Cersei, you know, Cersei's really not in that situation. Even Kyburn, I mean, yeah, he's he, he still can't serving at her, you know, yeah, he can't. He's serving at her will, right? Gosh, maybe Tywin. Gosh, where's Varys when we need him? <laughs> Tywin before. He's on the Although actually, Varys would just kill like the current version of Uncle Kevin. Which no, we don't want that. Keep Uncle Kevin. Those are I don't the people know who we need. Uncle Kevin who's would Uncle be, Kevin? I don't know. I know. Does he have Let's one? Be, okay, it's one. That's what we need someone to tell us who the Uncle Kevin of the current U.S. <laughs> political system is, and we need to keep him safe. Oh man. <laughs> who's the oh, Tom? Is that is that like the little boy? Who's the who? Who's Tom and is that like Tiffany Trump then? Oh we got some more iTunes reviews too. Um Ooh. we have one from Jujubean eighty two titled I have a what if question, several actually. Five stars. Um what it what if Holster Tully never made Liza terminate her pregnancy by Peter? Would the Tullys raise Ooh. the baby at River Run or send it off to be fostered elsewhere? Who would John Aaron marry since Liza is now unfit? Would they raise Peter up or banish him? Well, I think that she still might marry um, John Aaron because I, I think like there's the insinuation that he knows that she was pregnant. And that's why... Um, and he was gung-ho to marry her because he was desperate for an heir, and she had proven herself fertile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he still might have married her, but can you... I was thinking about this question, and I was trying to think of an example of um, 
a noble woman's bastard other than like Jon Snow. And, you know, there literally, there isn't anyone I don't think that's known as the bastard. Like, you see all these, you know, bastards of the noble men around the place, but I can't think of an example where you see a noble woman having a child and and knowing anything about it. So I think I have a hard time thinking that they would raise it. um, Right, they probably would have sent the bastard away. Yeah, like she would have a good, you know, farm family or something. (laughs) Nice <laughs> to the farm. Oh dear. Via <laughs> rivers, rivers, right? Yeah. yeah oh, unless they married true. her quickly to cover it up, which yeah, like probably has happens a lot. Yeah. 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 They just marry her huh. to some to some lord who you know would probably hate her because they're making him pretend it's his kid. But I suppose you know lots of people probably owe the Tullys a favor. Yeah, for money mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's like, what if, you know, Barbie Dustin would have had Brandon Stark's kid? Like, mm. that's a fun what if. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is. I'd read that fic. They secretly get married and have a kid, so it's the heir to Winterfell. But then, you know, so like Barbie basically <laughs> makes Ned's life hell for 30 years. It'd be great. <laughs> Oh, poor Ned. <laughs> and it still turns out better than canon for him. Yeah. Well, yes, one would hope. Oh, man. He'd find some way to honor himself into death anyway. He's doomed to lose his head at some point. Yeah, Aww. pretty much. We'll see. Oh, Ned. We got, we got another one from Kane Zephyr titled Having a Laugh Catching Up says, I just found this podcast while trying to wait for season seven or Winds of Winter. I have spent hours laughing so hard that people think I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I have a long way to go to catch up, but I will enjoy every minute of it. Update. I have now caught up and have to say, Trump has to be afraid. They love their towers. (laughs) That was an excellent tower. (laughs) Trademark that. Thank you for the comments. (laughs) Was that our last one, or is it? Yeah, that's it. We got a lot of good compliments. Thank you so much, guys. I love reading the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, Uh, you can reach us at closethedoor and at gmail.com, on Tumblr at closethedoor, and come here at tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at doorpodcast. Please like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Google Music, wherever you listen. And please support us on Patreon at closethedoor to get episodes early. Um, Thanks, everyone. And and thank you, darling, for guesting with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a really good discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, uh, goodbye everyone. I'm closing the door. Get out. <laughs>